0: Thank you, Paul. I think. (laughs) No, (laughs) I'm very particular. I do apologise. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that, Paul. This morning, and as we were praising God, I really feel like God wants to do business this morning. God wants to do some things in our lives, and I'm really excited to see what Holy Spirit is going to do in and through us this morning. And really, I thought it would be good to set out my stall at the beginning and really start by saying that, first of all, that God does not want us to be fearful. And this morning, if you haven't guessed it, the, the chain that we're going to be looking at breaking is fear within our lives. And you see, we are called, as followers of Jesus sons and daughters of God we are sons and daughters of the king of kings and God wants us to be confident in our identity of who we are and for those of you that know me you'll know that I've got a little boy called Eli who's who's just coming up to 18 months old and he is relatively new to the world would you say he's not been here particularly long And especially in that first 12 months, we found out lots of things that he was afraid of. So we couldn't run the hoover around the house because he would have a bit of a meltdown. And for those of you who've got small kids, you'll probably appreciate this, but taking him somewhere to somewhere where there was a baby changing facility, hand dryers, right? Full-on freak-out meltdown. Whenever that noise started, he would freak out. But as a loving father... I don't want Eli to be afraid. I don't want him to be afraid of anything. And in those moments when he would have those small freak da- uh, freakouts, it was my job as his father in that moment to reassure him and to speak to him and to comfort him. And I believe our heavenly father is no different. That through difficult situations and times in our lives, that as a loving father, he wants to be there to reassure us and to comfort us in our lives. And I thought to, to begin with this morning, I'd just talk about some irrational fears. And I thought I'd make myself a little bit vulnerable, share with you some of the weird fears that I've got for no particular reason, or it's I've not been able to put my finger on right away. Uh, but is it anyone's job here at the end of the day or the end of the evening to lock up the house? Is that anyone's job to go around, to make sure all the doors are locked, make sure the windows are closed and all the lights get turned off? Yeah, I've got a few people. Maybe it's a bit of a, yeah... So that's my job, right? <laughs> that's my job. <laughs> Some people say, we just don't lock the doors. Is that, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, Beck likes to remind me, somebody when I've just got into bed, did you lock the back door? <sighs> <laughs> but it, it's normally in the winter when it goes dark early. And as I say, it's an irrational fear. But as I go around, and it's normally when it's come to turn the lights off, I have this irrational fear there's somebody else in the house. Does anyone else have this? And there's like this part of me in the back of my mind, like, what happens if there's a burglar in the house? I've been in all evening. I know there's no one in the house. The doors were locked since like 7 o'clock. Yet I'm going around. And I turn the light off. I'm like, what happens if someone jumps out? Me when I may want to go in this room. It's a complete irrational fear. And I'm like, it's ridiculous. It really is. Well, just to give you a definition of what fear is, fear is an unpleasant unpleasant emotion caused by a threat of danger, pain, or harm. And fear, really, it's a a basic emotion that is activated when we're confronted with a perceived threat. And like any emotion in our lives, fear needs to be kept in check, because we are ultimately in control of our emotions. And fear is a natural instinct, and actually in the right amount, it can actually be helpful for us. So fear can actually keep us safe. It can be a good thing. It can be an internal danger alarm. I don't know for any of you, have you ever been on a walk, and you've been walking along like, close to the edge of a cliff? No, Has it been one of those seaside walks? And like, I can be a couple of meters from the cliff, and I, again, I wouldn't say I'm afraid of heights. But I, I see the edge, and I'm like, let's not get too close to the edge. Okay, and that's that internal instinct that can actually serve as well. It can keep us safe. And also, fear in the right dose can actually be fun and exciting as well. And when you sit outside of your comfort zone, it's fear that can make us feel alive. It can be fun, it can be exciting. And that's why people love going to theme parks and will spend a day at Alton Towers. And it's one of the reasons why I love going whitewater kayaking, because if I'm honest, it scares me. Like, I, sometimes like, I get on the water and I'm like, why am I doing this? <laughs> why do I put myself through this? But it, it, can, it can be a thrill, it can be exciting. And fear can have a benefit in our lives. It's actually been proven that that fear and the excitement that's generated can actually alleviate depression. If you go on the NHS website, it actually tells you one of the things to do to help alleviate depression is to face fears. Because when we do that, we have adrenaline in our body, and that adrenaline increases our glucose, and that glucose is converted into energy. So it can actually do us good. But there's the caveat there is when fear is kept in check. Where the issue is where I would say is that fear has a grip over us or it has a grip or a hold of us. And when our fears stop us from doing things, that is when fear becomes an issue. So when fear starts to make us feel anxious worried and stressed that's when it becomes an an issue and I would say in those scenarios it's fear that has a hold of us rather than us having a hold of fear and with this series of breaking chains I would describe this chain of fear that it's not a physical chain obviously it's an invisible chain And these chains, they can be big, thick, heavy chains that that weigh us down and stop us from doing things. And they can be very obvious in our lives. You know, if you're afraid of flying, it could be that when you go on holiday and you start getting to the airport and thinking about flying, that it very much presents itself. And it's very obvious in your life if it's a fear of dogs or spiders or all of these different things that we potentially may be fearful of. It can be obvious when they present themselves. But I also think the chains in our lives can be small, and they can be lightweight, and maybe less noticeable, but nonetheless can hold us down in the same way. It could be that because of our fears, that actually we make small fears in my life, and I've been open when I've been up here and shared some of those, but for me, a fear that I've had to deal with is the fear of running out of money. Anyone else relate to that? I don't know necessarily where it comes from, but it's something that I've had to deal with within my own life. And that can present itself in different ways. It could be that when you go out and maybe you have a meal out, that when it comes to the end of the meal, you think, well, I'm not going to leave a tip because I've not got quite enough. And it can present itself in these small ways, whereas actually where God wants us to be generous, we actually then become stingy and we hold back because of that fear we have in our lives. And you know, I've shared from, from this stage the journey that God has taken me on in that and, and teaching me through that and showing his faithfulness, but also teaching me that he is my provider, that I don't have to be fearful of that. And yes, there is balance within all of that. You know, we're called to be good stewards. You know, he does equip us. But at the same time, learning that lesson. So in order to overcome the fears in our lives, we first need to identify those fears. We need to be able to call them out. We need to know what it is we're dealing with. We need to know where those chains may be in our lives. And for some of you, you might be sitting here this morning thinking, Rob, I've got a list as long as my arm of the fears. You don't need to tell me what I'm fearful of. I already know. And if that's you, we can deal with that. But for some of us, as I say, it's so small Almost seemingly insignificant chains, and you might be sat here this morning thinking, you know what, Rob, I'm struggling to put my finger on, you know, something that I'm, I'm fearful of. And as I say, to address these fears, we first need to identify them. And in preparation for this message, I came across a study, and just before I talk too much more about it, I just want to kind of just throw out a bit this, a, a quick disclaimer, and say, you know, this, this is a bit of like a trigger warning kind of moment. That, you know, if you are particularly fearful, you might not find this helpful. So you can put your fingers in your ears for a moment and sort of close your eyes. But again, we first have to identify those fears in our lives to be able to address them and deal with them. And what this study does, it was a study of a, it was over in America. So it's it's focused towards that. But what they did, they were able to identify different fears. Um, fears that people had in their lives. And they asked the participants to record their level of fear in 41 different issues across 10 different categories. And I've got an image here um, that kind of sums up all of those categories. So these are what are called uh, the domains of fear, um, or I would call it as the categories of fear. And they've summed it into these different categories, and I'll touch on some of these here. So there's the fear of crime, so potentially, you know, being attacked, um, having a burglar come in your house, yeah? Um, fraud, identity theft. There's things like daily life, so fearing maybe rejection from other people, whether that's romantic rejection or a, a friendship of someone else. Um, it could be ridicule, could be talking to strangers. There's the environment, so global warming, overpopulation, pollution. As the government worried about corruption and immigration issues, things like the judgment of others. So being fearful of what people might think of us because of our appearance, our weight, our age, our race, all of these things can be fears in our lives. And I'd say the list really goes on and on and on, and you can kind of glance your eyes over that. But what was really interesting and what stood out to me out of this study is that out of these participants, 39% of them said that they lost sleep at least once a week because of their fears. That's almost one in three losing sleep on a weekly basis because of some of these fears in their lives. And what I want to ask us and ask ourselves this morning is, What is keeping you awake at night? And it might not be as severe as that, but what is it that consumes your mind? When you've got a few minutes, where does your mind wander to? And what is it you find yourself thinking about? Is there anything that makes you feel fearful, that causes you to have those feelings of anxiety, of worry and stress? Try and pinpoint that. And even ask Holy Spirit, are there areas I need to address in my life? Because today I want us to identify those so we can then deal with them. And for those of you that are in small groups, you'll know that we've been looking at a series called Goliath Must Fall. And in that, it is addressing some of the different giants in our lives. And one of those giants is identified as fear. And in that series, in week two, if for those of you who have done it, Louis Giglio helpfully highlights three reasons why we might be fearful. And this isn't an exhaustive list. This is just highlighting three areas. And I'll touch on these because it might, again, begin to get us to start thinking about why it is we feel the way that we do. So first of all, we may actually be fearful because of our conditioning. So what do I mean by that? What do I mean by our conditioning? So it could be things like life's experiences. It could be our upbringings and the environments that we've, we've grown up in. And it could be specifically the, the household that you grew up in. So maybe because of some of the fears that your parents had, that became a natural sort of environment for you. And you almost replicate that in your own life because that's all that's ever been modeled to you. It can be a conditioning of our lives. The second reason why we might be fearful is because we are controlling. Have we got any control freaks in this morning? I'm I'm certainly on the spectrum somewhere there. (laughs) But we like things to work a certain way. We like to be in control. And that's good to a degree. But when we're not in control, what then happens? Is it a case that when we're not in control, we begin to fear again? we We begin to fear fearful where we start feeling anxiety and worry. And the third reason that Louis points out that we might be fearful is because we're concealing something. That actually there's something in our lives that we've kept secret and we fear that people might discover that secret about us. Or it could be that if people found that out, they might then look at us differently. They might treat us differently as a result of that. And it could be that there's just sin in our lives that we've not dealt with and as a result we can feel fearful but also i think you know i think it can be simpler than that it could just be you've had a bad experience in life you know something's happened to you that's hurt you and has made you weary and it's 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 almost understandable to feel that way but god does not want us to stay that way he doesn't want us to remain fearful so for the rest of this morning, I want to start focusing on the solution. We've looked enough at the, the issue. Let's start looking at the solution. So how does God fear with the, de- with the fears in our lives? Well, to do that, we need to look at the Bible. And what's interesting is that in the Bible, there are specifically 365 verses that have the phrase, fear not. And what I find really interesting about that is there's one there every day of the year it's almost like that's a bit of a coincidence but there are many verses that deal and tackle with fear and I want to look at just a couple of those this morning but when we come to Christ when we give our lives to Jesus and we become a follower we need to rewire our brains we need to begin to start thinking differently. You see, through what Jesus did on the cross, when we came to him, something happens within us. There is a spiritual transformation, and we're told that we become a new creation in Christ. And this actually means that we have to recalibrate our minds. We have to recalibrate what it is that we meditate on. See, fear and faith cannot occupy our minds, At the same time, fear and faith cannot occupy our minds at the same time. And we need to retrain our brains not to dwell on fears, but actually to focus on the faith that we have in Jesus. And this isn't necessarily something we can do on our own. As I say, we become a new spiritual creation, it's something that happens in partnership with the Holy Spirit in our lives. But God is so good, you know, he makes it as easy as possible for us. He, he puts people around us. He puts people that are close to us who can go on that journey with us. If you're in a small group, you've got your small group leads who you can talk to. As a church, we have a pastoral team who people are there specifically to help with pastoral issues. And I don't want to belittle the fears that are in our lives, because it might actually be that we need professional counseling, that actually we need someone who's been trained to deal with these issues, to walk alongside us and help us deal with these things in our lives. But today, I I want us to look at how we should approach fear and what the Bible says we should do. And the first thing is we need to understand something about the nature of God. We need to understand about who he is. And one of those domains of fear that we looked at is about the fear of our personal future and ultimately the fear of dying. And the first scripture I want us to look at this morning is from 1 John chapter 4, verse 13 to 18. And I'm reading this out of the New Living Translation and it will be up on the screen behind me. Let me read this out for you. It says this, And God has given us his spirit, as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God. And God lives in them. Bit of a tongue twister here. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live, like Jesus, here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. There's a lot there in that scripture. And when you read that chapter in its entirety, we only read from verse 18, it mentions love 28 times. It's the common thread and theme that's running through there. But it tells us that as proof of God living in our lives that he sends his Holy Spirit to live within us. And in other translations, rather than using the word live in God, it uses a word called abide. And in John, um, a few weeks ago, Becky gave a message on I am the vine and talked all about what it is to live and to abide in God. But just very quickly, the Greek word that's used there for abide, it's a word called menomen. It's spelled M-E-N-O-M-E-N. And to remember it, I just think "menomen." they remain live or dwell we are called to live to stay and to remain in god's love and to abide means that we continually believe and trust that jesus is everything that we need so on a daily basis it's about a personal relationship with jesus and this relationship is characterized by trust It's the key. And we're told that we don't need to be fearful on the day of judgment when we die and when we stand before God because perfect love casts out all fear. And what I love about this is that it doesn't just say fear and different translations say different things when I look at it in a minute, but it says all fear. It's addressing one key fear and covering it with every other fear as well. Perfect love expels all fear. See, the, the New International Version says that perfect love drives out fear. The New Living Translation says perfect love expels all fear. The New King James Version says perfect love casts out fear. Are you starting to get it? If we chuck it up on the screen for his Jack, with all of those. But it goes on to say that it is perfect love that removes fear from our lives. And God... God's love is the antidote to the fears in our lives. My second point this morning is same situation, different perspective. And sometimes in the Bible we read of the promises of God that are encouraging. I'd argue they're all encouraging. But sometimes we read things and it's it's about the reality of life. And it's not always difficult to hear. And I want to read something out. And I would describe this, if any of you are in leadership or any sort of management, you might have heard of the positivity sandwich. Anyone heard of that? Well, this is Jesus giving us a positivity sandwich. You see, he starts off with something really positive. He says this in John 16, I told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Starts off good. We have peace in Jesus. But then he goes on to say, "Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows Jesus isn't sugarcoating it he's telling it as it is we are going to face many trials and sorrows but he goes on to say again positivity sandwich but take heart because I have overcome the world the good news is that we can have peace in Jesus but he does warn us he says you will have difficulties in life but he says, "Be encouraged because I have overcome this life. I have overcome the world." You see, life on Earth, it's no walk in the park. We do live in a fallen, broken world. As humans, we age, we get old, and ultimately, our bodies, they do fail us Sorry if that is a surprise or a shock to any of you but we do face difficulties in life, and we do face hardships. But no matter what our experiences are, no matter what it is that we are facing, we can have peace in Jesus. That's the key. No matter how difficult it becomes, we can abide, we can remain, we can manem manem in him. (laughs) Jesus and the Holy Spirit become the source of peace and strength in our lives. And I want to read out another scripture to you. And again, this is taken from the book of Psalm uh, 23. And for those of you who have been doing the Goliath Must Fall series, that story is ultimately about David who fights the giant Goliath. And what's interesting about that story is David goes up against the giant that an entire Israelite army have decided not to go up against. You see, for David, he has a different perspective to those around him. And he's the one who wrote this, and it says this in Psalm 23, verse 1 to 4. I'm sure this would be familiar to many of you. But it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths and brings honor to his name. And this is the key part. This is what I want to focus on. Even when I walk through the darkest valley... I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and staff protect and comfort me. Even though I walk through the darkest valley. And what's interesting about this is, David doesn't say, when I go through those difficult situations, you're just going to pick me up and take me away from that. Doesn't say that. Doesn't say when difficulty comes, God's going to, you know, do something and just completely take that situation away. Now he does. He does. In some occasions, he does do that. But what it says is that we will be guided along the path. That in those difficult circumstances, that he will be there walking alongside us. And it gave us imagery there of a shepherd about rescuing the sheep. And I think God does something very similar for us in our lives. And just as I said earlier on, like with Eli, with that hand blower, you know, in those moments, I don't keep myself distanced from him. But what do I do? I draw close. I say, Eli, it's okay. I'm here. And I pull him close. And I believe in the same way that our Heavenly Father in Heaven does the same thing. That in those difficult times, he draws near. And in those moments, we need to draw close and listen. Listen for that still, small voice. Same situation, different perspective. And my third and final point for us this morning is this, bringing fear to the foot of the cross. Fear is a constant battle. It's not a one-time thing come up against it and it's dealt with. It's something that, that we've with, I think, on a continual basis. But it's a battle that we're not supposed to fight on our own, thank God. <laughs> And it's not something we're supposed to do in our own strength either. You see, it says it's Jesus who has overcome the world, not us. And we need to learn to stand in the power of the cross and what he has already done within our lives. And I want to read out what we should do when we're fearful. It's Isaiah 41, uh, sorry, 43, verse 1 to 3. Let's just read this out quickly. It says, don't be afraid. I saved you. I named you. You are mine. When you have troubles, I am with you. When you cross rivers, you will not be hurt. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not hurt you. That's because, you're ready for this? I, the Lord, am your God. I, the Holy One of Israel, am your Savior. This passage starts out by telling us, don't be afraid. Jesus has saved us. When we have troubles, Jesus is with us. But it's verse 3 that's the key part where he says, I, the Lord, am your God. Some of you need to hear that this morning that Jesus is God in your life. And we need to start aligning our thinking with that. You see, Jesus is God. Jesus has defeated the world. And Jesus is greater than our fears. And when we're presented with fears in our lives, we can face it with a different perspective. We can come like David before Goliath, knowing that we rely on a source that is bigger than ourselves. This is the key thing. No matter how big the fears in our lives seem, God is bigger. He is god he is lord of all he reigns over our lives no matter how big that fear may seem god is bigger it's all a matter of perspective i'm going to invite the band just to come up and to to come and get ready and while we do that i want to i want to read one final scripture and for me this is the clincher this this brings it all together and it's from uh, psalm 107 again written by david Verses 13 to 14 says this. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness, out of the shadow of death, and broke their chains in pieces. Not only has Jesus overcome the world, but Jesus is the chain breaker. Jesus comes along with his bolt cutters, and one by one, he breaks those links, those chains that are in our lives. So, what do we do when we're fearful? What do we do when we're presented with fear? We cry out to God in our troubles. And when we do this, we're brought out of darkness and death, and we're brought into the light and the life of Jesus. And those chains of fears are broken link by link in our lives. And we need to deal with the giant of fear. We have to name it, we have to identify it first of all. But when we're presented with it, we cry out to God. We cry out to the one who has overcome the world. And then what do we do? Once we've cried out, we've given it to God. All right. Well, what I think we do then, we lay it at the foot of the cross. And at that point, it's no longer about us At that point, it's over to Jesus. You see, when we lay our fears at the foot of the cross, we place them into Jesus' hands. We say, Jesus, would you deal with this? Cry out to God and place our fears at the foot of the cross. So for this morning, what we're going to do in just a moment, I'm going to hand over to the band, and they're going to lead us in worship. And I want us to do something. in this time of worship that we come from a place of faith and we come before Jesus and we begin to bring those fears to Jesus where we're able to bring them to the foot of the cross and I'm going to get up in a few minutes time and I'm going to pray and I want to give us an opportunity to respond to that. I want you to physically be able to respond to this this morning. That even though it's a spiritual step of placing our fears at the foot of the cross, I want us to physically do something this morning. I want us to physically move to come and place those fears at the foot of the cross. And I want to give you the opportunity that as we sing, as we worship, to come stand at the front. And this isn't about someone laying hands on you and praying for you. And that is good. But that's not what this is about. This is about you standing at the foot of the cross. About giving those fears to Jesus. And taking that step to say, Jesus, I lay these things at your feet. I lay these at your feet. These fears are not mine to fight. You have already done it on the cross. And I am entrusting you with these fears in my life. So let's just get to our feet. And let's use this time to respond, to put faith at the forefront of our mind, to allow Jesus to do something incredible through us.